Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you into the 7 o'clock hour. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, Super Bowl coming up this Sunday. You can hear it right here on Sports Radio 610. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know we were carrying it. We are. I guess we do every year. We're home we? for NFL football here in the uh, city of Houston. They carried the Pro Bowl yesterday over my Sunday show. They covered up my Sunday show here with the damn oh. flag football game. <laughs> taking money out of your pocket. Not taking really. Out, taking money out of little Sammy's college fund. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not really. Um, oh, oh, they played it. Okay, I got you. Yeah, no, they I put, was... I, you still did your show. They I, just didn't play it locally. They didn't okay. play it locally here. Yeah, I was covered up in a lot of markets. It was funny because I... First, I was on for five hours yesterday just because of the pre-Super Bowl schedule. I got to do a little extra. Um, and for the first three hours, I was getting a lot of phone calls from all over the country. It was great. And then all of a sudden, at 2 o'clock, kickoff time for the Pro Bowl flag football game, it just dried up and nobody's calling in. And I'm, so I just yeah, kept doing people were what? Oh, oh. They okay. just could, they couldn't hear yeah, my show. You. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, you. you know, there was, you know, unless they were listening directly on the Odyssey app to CBS Sports Radio. So I didn't know your listeners on your Sunday show were, uh, it couldn't afford smartphone apps. Evidently not. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to <laughs> up the affluence level of my listener. Yeah. Um, so, um, so D'Amico Ryan's last week. I think there were a lot of preconceived notions. I think going into this coaching search, and then once D'Amico became the guy, I think the I think some of those continued to fester. I think more bubble to the surface, and a lot of them had to do with. Um, with the combination of D'Amico Ryans and Nick Casario, um, was D'Amico a hire that the McNairs forced on Nick because Nick's a Patriots guy? I think we've learned enough now, both publicly in press conferences and probably privately if you were over at the stadium last week, and hopefully we've conveyed to you some of the things you need to be a little more educated on, on how this is all going to go. Hopefully it goes well. Um, but I think there's some things we can put to bed that people might have been worried about before all this. So I've got a list here, Seth, of a few of these things. And certainly I've got audio to back some of these up, and I want to get your thoughts on these. I think the first one is people were concerned, like Nick is a Patriots guy. D'Amico is a Coop Shanistan guy, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, so, boy, how can these coaching trees ever collaborate? One of them has to dominate the other, do they not? Nick Casario addressed that. We asked him that question directly on our show last Friday. Football is football. And all of us are trained a certain way, and we grow up a certain way. So D'Amico's background, and he mentioned this yesterday, I thought it was a really great answer about the different coaches that have impacted him, what he's taken from the different coaches, whether it was Gary, whether it was Chip, whether it was Andy Reid, whether it was Kyle. And in my situation, I had the good fortune of being really in one place for almost 20 years or 20 seasons, and we're all a product of our background, and our foundation is based on principles that we learn wherever we work, and you accumulate those over time. So the application of those principles, regardless of what system or tree you grew up in, in the end, the core elements are going to be the same. So you talked about what, the, what you want your team to look like, what are the things that are important. You're going to take bits and pieces, and in the end, we have to make it our brand of football, our program, what do we believe in, and it's usually accumulation of things that you learn over time. You were the first one that I heard kind of really trumpeting the fact that you thought these two guys are going to work together really well. Yeah. At the height yeah, of the skepticism, he, <laughs> you were right, saying right. that. Which, you know, and I would be the first to also point out that we haven't actually seen them work together yet, and yet it's you could tell – from especially from, I think from Nick's point of view, or just watching Nick and the way he responded to D'Amico and the enthusiasm with which he talked about D'Amico, you could see that this certainly didn't feel like a, a forced anything. Like I, I'll tell you, one of the most awkward press conferences I ever saw with the Texans was when 
the the 2005 season when we would ultimately end up two and 14 midway through the year they brought in Dan Reeves as a consultant and they got up and did a press conference and Charlie Casserly the general manager was up on stage with Bob McNair and Dan Reeves and it felt awkward like it did not look one bit like Casserly was enthusiastic <laughs> about having this this extra guy around to get his perspective on things it, um that was a weird it was a weird vibe so this is the exact opposite of that and I think as far as what Nick was saying, substantively, that, that, that is true. Yeah, look, everybody's kind of a hodgepodge, and everybody you know comes and puts their own imprint on whatever they want to do, and especially in modern football. Because, you can, because teams use so many receivers so much, and the passing game has exploded so much, that nobody does exactly what you know, Gary Kubiak was doing in 1997 with the Broncos or anything like that. And I think with both these guys, they're – I, I think they both have an attitude that look, look. First and foremost, we got to do what we're capable of doing with the guys we have. So sometimes you might ultimately have a feel for what you want your offense to look like, but you don't have the Jimmys and Joes to do it. So you got to change things up. And I think that both those guys, you know, coming from that part of it, look at it as, hey, we've got a bunch of different tools in our toolbox. Yeah, you know. So now we're combining our two toolboxes together, and let's figure out what we can come up with. The second one is sort of a, a kind of a corollary of you know the the skepticism that the two coaching trees would be able to collaborate with each other, but I moved it up the list here just because I'm, I'm reading a text on the trailer wheel and frame text page. Six oh five seven. I don't know if y'all hit on this, but the New England tight ends coach was hired by some other team for what seems to be a lateral position, so that's nice. I don't want nothing to do with the Pats. I'm going to add to this, Seth. This is number two notion we can put to bed. This will not be the last Patriots person. Nick Haley is the name of the person that you're thinking yep. of. Um, and I forget who he took a job with, but it, he's not coming here. He's taking a tight ends coach. He's taking a position coaching job with another organization. You should know this. If someone with the Patriots interviews for a job with the Texans, it's not Nick forcing them on D'Amico. And if they hire him, brace yourself. It could very well be because D'Amico Ryans actually likes the guy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I think that's the I, – I don't know. I – I'm trying to I try not to I'm trying to see exactly and understand why people are paranoid about this. And I think it's this. I think that there's a perception that Casario was a control freak or needed to, you know, be dominating everything. Really because people don't realize that these last two years were a tank. You know, it, which they were. And I think that the uh, I think that because the Texans spent money on free agents People thought that, like, oh, they were actually trying to win a bunch of games. I think that the entire time they were they were spending money on free agents, but it was guys on one and two year contracts for journeyman veterans, and it was so you could still hopefully have some semblance of a competitive team while still bringing the rookies along. So tanking isn't. I mean, t an outright tank was you're going to try to lose as many games as possible, and that's just frankly I don't think it's a smart thing to do in the NFL because guys get physically injured, young players don't develop, the culture is just a, an abomination if you do that. So this was a, a modified free fall or whatever it is. And yes, like the last couple of coaches were not hired probably with the thought that they were going to be the long-term guys, that maybe the upside could be, maybe it will work out, whether it was Lovey Smith, Josh McCown, or whoever. Like maybe they thought, okay, if it works out, maybe that's cool, but it, it, this is the guy what we need right now. Um, I think now that they've gone through that two-year period of resetting, it's it looks like what it felt like on stage, which is, okay, this is Casario wanting to be a GM, and 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 part of that is like okay, I have a coach who can coach, yeah. And I don't, I'm not gonna have to worry about David Cully screwing up the simple stuff that I, you know, that we're we're Casario messed up when was expecting. I think he expected Cully to actually be halfway competent, and he wasn't. So he had to step in and do some things that he probably would prefer to have not been doing. Perfect segue, perfect segue, because I think the third notion we can put to bed is the one where people say, well, Nick's got to be in control on game day. He's going to want to make decisions with the headsets up in the booth and whatnot. We asked him about that last week on Friday, and I thought Nick got as agitated as Nick will get in having to answer a question. He he tends to be pretty straight-faced answering questions. I could tell just at the very beginning of this one, he was – I don't think he was agitated at us for asking the question. I think he's probably agitated that this is still a thing. But here he was 
What, what's your role going to be on game day, Nick? Do you need to have the headsets on? Honestly, I don't really care what my role is on game day. Like, I'm here to support. I'm here to help the team. I don't want to get in the way, all right? I think I can be a resource and help, and that's my job and responsibility. So whatever that entails, I've had the good fortune of doing a lot of different things on game day. So offensively, I've done – personnel for the defense at one point you know getting that to the defensive coordinator i'm not calling plays i'm not saying i'm going to do that i'm really there to observe and listen and learn and watch so that after the game when he and i are having a discussion it can be constructive it's not you know well i didn't understand what was happening so i love football i love everything that goes into it i have a i'd say a decent understanding of some of the schematics and I just want to be able to help in any way possible. Um, the, the part about people not liking Nick being on the headset, that was another one that was just always been curious to me just because it was something he had done in New England for 20 years, and I don't think at any point people thought he was trying to uh, subvert Bill Belichick or somehow topple him or something. That's the part I didn't get. Like if you go if you go from one job and you're doing this and you do it for 20 years, sometimes you he wasn't always on over the course of that two decades on the headset. And then when all of a sudden you do the same thing in a new place, I, I didn't I really honestly didn't understand exactly why that became some kind of ploy to exert control over people. Um, I don't like I don't like GMs who just sit around in a suit and in hobnob with fancy no, on game day. You should I don't be working. get it. I don't yeah, I don't I don't understand it. I feel like you're a politician then more so than an actual football person. One of my YouTube subscribers, I, I asked him, uh, he he didn't he didn't think that Nick could stop being so arrogant or he made a comment about Nick's arrogance. Um, so I asked him, like, okay, could you please explain that? Because I genuinely I don't see that, I don't get that from Casario, but I know I see it a lot. Um so I was just asking him to be more specific about it. He said because he's just like his daddy, Belichick. He acts like a know-it-all. He talks down to everyone just like Belichick. He answers questions like Belichick, talking double talk, saying everything without answering the questions. I think that's why people hate the Patriots so much. I do feel that he seemed much more relaxed at the press conference. Now, that's one reason that I enjoy your shows. It's apparent that uh, you guys are very intelligent, but you don't seem to try to talk down to your audience. Uh, and after that, I patted him on the head and said, good job, sport. <laughs> and uh, that's a nice compliment. Right. So, um, I think that, let's see, I'd ask you to try to look at Nick more objectively. I think a lot of fans see him the same way. Love your shows. I, I have tried to, like, try to figure out, okay, where does it come? And I think maybe it is something about, like, Nick, when he's, I think when he's talking about a lot of that stuff, I think he's kind of, maybe he says it in, in a way where he's saying like, "Look, this is the way it actually is." Almost like um, like a like an IT guy sometimes gets frustrated with you not understanding computers, and uh, maybe that maybe I would I'd like to see people who have had to live through scornful IT people. Uh, do they are they more likely to find Nick uh, arrogant in his tone <laughs> or demeanor? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Is that what it is? Is it a little bit of like okay, instead of Nick saying like explaining it, it sounds more like he's saying like, "Look." This is the way it Maybe. works and blah, 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 blah. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't find him to be condescending at all, but I, people yeah. internalize it different ways. A lot of times, you know, people color the personalities of others based, like you just pointed out, on their experience with people may, who maybe have similar personalities. Well, I, I think, know. like, Nick, Nick's got a little bit more of, like, you know, like an engineering type of personality yes. as opposed to, you know, you've got your, you know, you've got your science teachers that are like fun, awesome storytelling science teachers and they make it interesting. And then you got the other ones that if you're not, if you're not a science nerd, it's kind of tough because they're just so straightforward. Yeah. And I think I feel like a lot of people like, are like, all right, listen, look, I don't want, I don't want my football to be like a nerd fest. Could you just talk to me, please? Um, number four on the list, notions we can, I think, put to bed after the, the D'Amico press conference in the subsequent couple days last week. Um, a lot of people thought, D'Amico, he has issues with the McNairs. He sued them back in 2016. I mean, my God, or whenever it was, because of the turf. Um, this was a great answer, I thought, from D'Amico on his interview with Clint Sterner and Ron the Show Hughley last Thursday on his relationship with the McNairs. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was huge because I, I know the McNair family. And, you know, I'm thankful for the McNair family, as I told them, for the opportunity that they gave me, right, as a, a young 21-year-old being drafted here 
to change the trajectory of my family. And I know who they are. I know the people that they are. I know what they represent. So I know this is a, a good organization led by great owners, right? And whatever it is, we got put into a bad light over the past few years. But it, it's not about what happened in the past. It's like, what are we going to do moving forward? But knowing who the people are and knowing how genuine they are in their hearts, it makes it even easier decision. And Emmanuel Acho heard that quote and then proceeded to jump off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're well, supposed to hold everything against I, them forever. You know, I know, you know, and it's hard because it's we live in a time where, you know, people just want to be able to say, like, are you racist or are you not racist? Are you, is that guy a jerk or is he not a jerk? When I think that, I think that Cal and Hannah McNair have, have made a genuine effort to, like a lot of people over the last several years, okay, recognize, okay, what are my, what are my implicit biases? Like, how would I, what do I not know about other people because I grew up in a different, you know, a different space than other people? And when you try to do that, it's, um, it's hard to have that conversation without giving out little sound bites here and there or moments where people are like, well, yeah, you see there, they just don't get it. Yep. Um, and, and I think like what D'Amico or other people like that know the McNairs have been put in a position where it's almost like you're asked to defend somebody on an all or nothing basis. Yeah. You know, like where pick a side. Like where I would say, like, oh, can the McNairs improve in a lot of things with race relations? In the same way that all of us can, yes. Yeah. You know, like all of us. So you don't want to like complete like I would never completely exonerate myself from not having any kinds of biases or anything. But as soon as you get tried to get squirreled into, you know, giving a quote on the matter, all of a sudden um it's you know, it's it's uh it's it it goes all haywire. So I think that people that actually know the McNairs know that a lot of things get blown up into being absolute statements yeah. versus like, hey, look, it's uh, we, we're in a state of constant transition in this country and people are learning about themselves more all the time and you learn ways in which you might have affected them without realizing it and, and that's where we are with it. All right, I'm going to save, I have the fifth one here, I'm going to save this one for the next segment because I think there's a, I think there's something about D'Amico's new relationship with the Texans that others, it's a much bigger deal to others than it is to D'Amico Ryan's that we'll get to. Um, and also, um, these other two head coaching vacancies. Is, are Indianapolis and Arizona going to hire a coach at all this year? Or are they just going to, is Jim Irsay going to coach the Colts? So we'll, we'll get into that next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. I love the six-year deal. First off, I mean, you know, as you, as you know, right, we all know, six-year deal, I mean, at least assures you three years. Uh, th- th- that would kind of be my estimation there, right, Mike? I mean, maybe even a fourth, really. So that's the positive thing. And then D'Amico Ryan, of course, had done a good enough job with the 49ers where he could demand that kind of deal. All right, I learned a couple of things this weekend. I went back and watched a lot, of, a lot of YouTubes from Friday of the national media covering this D'Amico Ryan's hire, Seth, as I know you did as well. I learned a couple of things. One, Chris Sims thinks that D'Amico Ryan's name is D'Amico Ryan. Called him Matt for a lot of people do. A lot of. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people do. Even people that are. 
like uh, usually don't make that mistake for yeah. whatever reason. I've heard like on NFL Network, they're usually nails with that kind of stuff because it's all they do. Yeah, um, they've been messing it up a lot. Yeah. The other thing I learned was the national media is super, super concerned about D'Amico Ryan's job security, and on his behalf, they are over the moon that he got a six-year deal. He got a six-year contract. Here was Shannon Sharp on D'Amico's six-year contract. I love that he got six years of security, not no little two, three-year deal and all that other mess. I love this for D'Amico. LaShawn McCoy was all about the six-year deal. My thing is this. When he goes in that meeting, that's the first thing he's going to say. Listen, I see that you hired your last two coaches. They were black coaches. Thank you. Thank you. But you fired him after one year. How would If I take this job, how would that change? Because, listen, it's an interview that y'all want me. So now I'm going to tell you what I want. That's why I gave him a six-year deal. So I think in six years, he can turn that thing around. Uh, yeah, God, I hope so. He can turn it around in six years. Uh, Joy Taylor of that same show, the uh, the Speak for Yourself is the Acho show, right? Yeah, Joy Taylor, she was happy about the six years. I'm with Shady. A six-year deal changes the conversation. Uh-huh. Six years. And if you don't want me after three, you got three years to pay me. Right. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm cool on that. Yep. Anything less than that would have been a, a, a bad choice. But D'Amico knows what he's doing, yep. and he's absolutely right. You're going to fire a coach a year after year? All right, going to have to tag some extra years on there if I'm coming because I can well, go smart. anywhere. Let me tell you something. Joy, Joy Taylor is actually the one that on that panel on the Emmanuel Acho show, the, does that speak for yourself? Yes, yes. Like She was the one that actually seemed to actually have her head in the world, like the, rooted in the real world. That wasn't treating – she is the one that wasn't treating um, D'Amico Ryans like he was some – like 14-year-old orphan that needed to be protected by them. Right. And like she's like, "Listen, he knows what the hell he's doing." Yeah. And yeah, he had options. This is what he chose. Now shut up. The the like, 6-year deal, 6-year deal. And these these people are not alone. I saw it plenty. I just didn't I I got tired of pulling audio. Everybody's hooked on this uh, fixated on this 6-year deal, 6-year deal. I don't know this to be true. I didn't hear this from the mouth of D'Amico Ryan's. This is just my speculation, me reading the tea leaves and feeling like I know people a little bit. And I know people like D'Amico Ryans who are super, super motivated and very achievement-driven. I'm guessing he's way less worried about this thing being in a six-year deal than the national media seems to be. Yeah, I'm guessing um, the last thing D'Amico Ryans is worried about right now is, how many years am I going to coach here? Boy. Well, I think that, I mean, his agent, I'm sure, no, that's, was. Like, yes, that's what the yes. agent, right. right. That, and that's what I was going to say, Seth. What, so people are going to go, well, why did he get it? Why did he get a six-year deal then? Well, because yeah. he could. You know, like yeah. his agent went and asked for it. There's, I mean, if you're anybody going into this situation is going to, like a Sean Payton, uh, any of the other interviewees, I think D'Amico Ryans are going to think, yeah, I'm going to do a better job than David Culley did. And I'm certainly going to, like, I'll do, they think they'll do a better job than Lovey Smith, but they certainly think they're going to do a better job than David Culley. And I, I again, the Lovey Smith hire was made under such weird circumstances that I'm more concerned about, okay, tell me about the Lovey Smith hire and exactly why it went down the way it did, more so than I am like nervous that I'm going to get fired. Right. I just would, I'd, I would want to know the root of all of that and, you know, how Deshaun Watson's scenario, which, which everybody, again, completely ignores in their discussion. I say everyone, usually that's an exaggeration. Sean, you and I, like you said, I listened to about 10 different people speak on this from national shows, and not a single one mentioned like the dynamic of the Deshaun Watson situation in the last two coaching hires. It was so strange. Even if you're going to blame the Texans for the Deshaun Watson scenario, you have to at least mention it. Like that, that that was a huge cloud hanging over the organization, and that that wasn't there now. It's so weird. Yeah. It's so strange that people have completely ignored that dynamic. Um, as far as the other part, too, like I, I love how they all frame it like, well, D'Amico better have gone in there and demanded six years, as if the Texans weren't aware that they probably – they it, not because of the previous two coaches, but because it's been a, a, the same way the 49ers had to offer Kyle Shanahan six years yeah. to get one of the top candidates. Yeah. The Texans were in a position where, okay, if we want one of the top t- candidates – which is a D'Amico Ryans or a Sean Payton in this scenario, yeah, we're going to have to offer up buku dollars in terms. Yeah, these people are just way more fixated on the six-year deal than I think D'Amico himself is. I'm glad you said that about walking in and demanding things. The worst take that I heard, and I feel bad, because this Dave Hellman guy who writes for Fox Sports actually was very supportive of 
the prospects of the Texans over the next few years. Like he thinks he's in the group that thinks they can turn it around pretty quickly because of the yeah. draft capital and so forth. So I want to point that out, but I don't know if he's somebody who's walked in and interviewed for a job before because this is what he said. This is how he thought it should go and did go with D'Amico Ryans and the Texans. Six-year deal? I, it's easy for me to imagine D'Amico walking into that interview and saying, I'm not them. I've been the best D.C. in the league for the last two years. I'm not, I'm not grateful for this opportunity. I'm waiting for go. the right opportunity because mm-hmm. I have earned that respect. And the Texans giving him a six-year deal, to me, says they're on board with that. They know what they've been through the last few years. They need stability. They need good coaching. I love it if I'm right about that, and I bet I am. Okay. I, that, I, I wasn't going to – Ben, cue that up again. Like Because he says at the end, I bet I'm right that this is how it went. You have to play the first 10 seconds of this and listen to how ridiculous this sounds. Six-year deal? I, it's easy for me to imagine – D'Amico walking into that interview and saying, I'm not them. I've been the best DC in the league for the last two years. I'm not, I'm not grateful for this opportunity. I'm waiting for the right opportunity. Okay, right there. Like, it's easy for you to imagine someone walking into an interview with that tone and basically making <laughs> demands of the people that are interviewing him. That's easy it, for you to imagine. You know what, though? And I, again, I think because we're all in love with the soap opera element of uh, you always think of like the most dramatic moments that you've heard about and want to envision that that's how it's like in all these interviews. The truth of the matter was, that it sounded a whole lot like both sides saying, gosh, I really like you. <laughs> and, uh, right. you know, Domingo flat out said, this is my dream job. This is where I want to be. Yes. Let's make it happen. And then I'm sure everything went bond between the agent and the Texans and everything else. But there's no part of Domingo that had to say, looky here, buckaroos. Dude, dude. This is, <laughs> they talked, they talked for four hours. I well, promise you, if the interview subject comes into the interview and that's the tone he's taking, you ain't I, I talking can't. to that guy for four hours. Honestly, I was so insulted. On the way people were talking about D'Amico in all of this. Yeah. Like, if D'Amico was just some tool, some plot tool that they could use to to further some whatever drama they wanted or anything. Like, D'Amico, the actual... Almost nobody was talking about D'Amico as, like, D'Amico actually is. Other than LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy had been a teammate of his and talked about just, you know, how dialed in he is and what a great leader he was and all of that. Emmanuel Acho started off by saying that D'Amico was like a big brother to them, to him, and then proceeded to talk about him like he was his youngest sibling. Um, it was just, uh, it was really, really annoying. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you framed it that way. Because I, that was the second thing I thought. Like, any human being walking in and taking that tone in an interview, like this guy saying, I bet this is how it went. <laughs> and of all people, like, for D'Amico Ryans to do that, like, it's one thing, like, yeah, anybody, like, take, take a look, like, this is D'Amico Ryans at the press conference on Thursday talking about collaboration and how he envisions things going. What I've learned about this part of it, the, the head coach, the, what I've learned the most about it, being with, it's all about collaboration. Right? And that's what I learned the most, and that's what excites me to be here working with Nick and being able to truly be aligned and build a team together. Okay, good enough. And now this is what – because that's D'Amico Ryans, just for some context, collaboration – I won't say soft-spoken. I think he, I, you know, D'Amico's not a screamer, but his presence is very authoritative, but he's clearly a guy that loves people. But yet, this guy's saying he should have walked in and probably did walk into the interview. Six-year deal? Yeah. I, it's easy for me to imagine D'Amico walking into that interview and saying, I'm not them. I've been the best D.C. in the league for the last two years. I'm not, I'm not grateful for this opportunity. I'm waiting for go. the right opportunity. It's the dumbest stuff I've ever heard. <laughs> I can see D'Amico Ryan's walking in it, and telling the Texans, "I'm not grateful for this opportunity." No, and it, and it really was though too. I think is is you look at those few days of people absorbing the fact that remember, remember there were reports that D'Amico wasn't even interested in the Texans, which like were people basically just trying to connect dots apparently and, and just assuming that D'Amico wouldn't be interested in the Texans. So it was really, really hard for people to pivot from things that they had basically lied about to now all of a sudden like, oh, all right, wait a second, my brain hurts. Okay, you're telling me D'Amico actually wanted to be there. Okay, well, in that case, it must have been, did they dupe him somehow? What was that? What do you mean they, that he wanted to be there? And, it, and you, could, you could see the gears turning in their heads as they tried to absorb it all. And I would imagine that it won't ever get – this is going to be the hard part, everybody. Do not wait for your 
Do not wait for these people's comeuppance if the Texans turn it around. Oh, no, they, no, no. It doesn't happen that way. Like, there there will be no moment where all of a sudden Colin Coward says, you know what? Um, maybe actually it turns out that I shouldn't have thought the Broncos' ownership were, like, the smartest people on earth, despite the fact that they have this whole Russell Wilson scenario on their head just because they're rich. Yep. Does anybody freaking worship rich people more than that dumbass Colin Coward? Okay. He acts like somebody – it's the weirdest thing in the world. Like, oh, they're really good owners. Why? Because they've got the most money. Yeah. All yeah. right. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay, that's a good segue into the next segment. we got headlines we're going to get into in the next segment. <laughs> including a Pro Bowl that was a Pro Bowl event that was designed to prevent injuries that might have injured the best defensive player in the league. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> he's not a Texan. Don't worry. Um, and uh, and we'll get. It to... wasn't one of the many Texans at the Pro Bowl. That's right. That's right. Is that the? Uh, yeah. Is that what you're trying to tell me? It okay. is. Yep. Yep. It wasn't Larry Tunsil. Um, so um, uh, and the head coaching openings, Indy and Arizona, progress being made on one of those. The other one, I have no clue when they're going to fill the position. We will tell you the latest on that. And, yes, Colin Cowherd is salty about the Texans getting D'Amico Ryans. We've got that for you as well. Stay there. You're listening to Payne and Pendergast. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Colin Cowherd still salty that the Texans landed D'Amico Ryans, so he keeps... He's not just upset about that. He's upset that he's had to flip-flop twice now on his opinion of the Broncos. He goes back and forth, dude. It's unbelievable. All because he spent... I mean, Cowherd's the easiest floozy of a date in America. <laughs> Sean Payton spent four hours at dinner with him one night, and now now, no matter what, whatever Sean Payton decides to do is the be-all, end-all of smart things in football. So they went from Sean Payton should go to Denver to all of a sudden, no, Sean Payton shouldn't go to Denver because it's actually not such a great job, to, well, of course Sean Payton went to Denver. It's, uh, it's uh, the creme de la creme of job opportunities in America. He's done a lot of flip-flopping. Here was yeah. Colin Cowherd last, late last week on the Houston Texans. Worst personnel, worst owner. That is a lot to ask a young, talented coach to overcome on the side of the ball that the league is pivoting away from. I don't doubt or criticize him. D'Amico's going to get a lot of money, and I get it. And he's also going to take a quarterback. So that's very promising. Um, But this is a, you know, this is a hard job. The owner is weird. This is what most job job, uh, job openings are in the NFL. Weird ownership situation, bad personnel, fourth best roster in the division, and in, in no quarterback. <laughs> and no quarterback. Yeah. Oh, and then he would go on to talk about just how loaded the Broncos roster. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, be, okay, yeah. this is where. I, let me back up, Colin Cowherd. There are five openings this job cycle. The yeah. teams, the teams that have those five openings. Have draft slots two, three, four, five, and nine. They're all bad football teams. And also, the, the, but this is the thing. Again, again, I talked to, we talked in the last segment. All these people that couldn't wrap their heads around D'Amico going to the Texans still didn't get the memo about D'Amico genuinely wanting to go to the Texans. What did he say? He's going to get a lot of money. Like, oh, okay, that's a, like, yeah, you know where else he could have gotten a lot of money? From the Broncos, yeah. you know, where they, they – they, who knows exactly what happened. I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos really wanted D'Amico. They couldn't get D'Amico, so they had to they had to send a boatload of money to Sean Payton. You know, whether Rappaport's right or Schefter's right, who knows. But he, D'Amico had plenty of opportunities to go get a boatload of money. That wasn't the deciding factor with the Texans, and yet Colin Coward – who can't see past his own little issues uh, must must believe because he's obsessed. He's he's part of. He's just a sucker. Every time I, t- I I turn on this guy to try to find a soundbite, he's talking about some billionaire or something like they are faith leaders, and it, it annoys the hell out of me because I feel like he thinks that the Broncos are 
going to be awesome owners just because they're amongst the richest owners. And it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's an awful way to live your life, and it's a bad value system, damn it. He, uh, the one that I saw this weekend, he compared the Broncos to Netflix. Yeah, I know. Yes, yes. <laughs> with a new CEO of Netflix. Yeah, and yeah. The, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you come in, there's a lot there, but there's issues. You know, like yeah. any good job has issues. Oh, really? Because it sounds like D'Amico Ryans took a job with issues, and he's the biggest dumbass on the face of the earth for taking the job. Like what? So, oh no, no, no! So he the Broncos' kind of, issues. No, no. Remember, remember. Uh, Colin was kind enough to say that he's uh, he's not mad at D'Amico for taking the job. Oh, like, oh, I didn't I didn't realize that was something one would get mad about. Dude. Like that's where that's where I could tell that he's he's uh, he's definitely got sour grapes over the whole. Denver dynamic thing because like why on earth would you even bring up that you're not mad at a candidate for taking a job in a place that you say is awful they go what the hell does that have anything oh you're not mad at them is it because he is it because he shirked the Broncos is that why you're not you're not you have to you have to proclaim that you're not mad that he shirked your your favorite team which apparently despite their six losing seasons in a row is the crown jewel of all job destinations yes, yeah. in America my god i think he's just mad he can't have dinner with peyton anymore if demico had taken the denver job peyton's probably back at fox right now god he is such an easy slut as far as just like oh <laughs> good, buy him for take him to dinner for 4 hours and then he'll do whatever you want nice yeah he's just, uh, dressed up doing whatever <laughs> sean good tells stuff. him to do showing all sorts of leg yeah <laughs> <laughs> poor poor Colin. Yeah. It's like he's, he's turned into that guy. He's like he's checking his phone every three minutes when you're you're out with him because he's, he's just he's got to see if Sean texts him. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. Oh, oh gosh, I don't know. I don't know. Guys, listen. Whatever we do, just don't tell Sean that we're here, okay? Because I just no, it's not a big deal. Just, just please don't tell him, okay? Just you know. All right, let's uh, let's get to headlines. Floozy. Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines. Brought to you by BaywayJeep.com. Bluesy is a great word. It's an old word, but it still holds up. It's aged well. It still holds he should up today. Be, uh, he should be floozy. flattered that I chose to dress it up a little bit by saying floozy. Right. Instead of some other word. Yep, for sure. Um, ass floozy. Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl festivities this weekend. Boy, these things started early. Amy and I are out to dinner on Thursday night. We're looking at the TV in the place. We're at like, wow, they got the party going quick. They had all those uh, water balloon tossing and uh, target hitting with a football. And yeah, fat Derek guys. Carr was awesome at the target hitting. Dude, I'm, this is no joke. I guarantee you there's at least a couple teams that looked at Derek Carr throwing the ball at targets and yeah. were like, huh? Okay, maybe we did will, they, maybe did we will they watch, duke him a draft pick. Yeah. Did they watch his interception in the Pro Bowl where he like threw falling backwards off balance? No, the I grain? missed that. I mean, they yeah. may have. I didn't see that, though. Yeah, I, didn't get- yeah. I know yeah, the, the target throwing competition where the final target is throwing it like 40 feet in the air like you're trying to hit the top of a skyscraper. It's perfect. Um, he hit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there was it was a whole weekend full of crazy stuff. Uh, it reminded me of Battle of the Network Stars back in the day where you've got people kind of out of their habitat. Thursday, at least, was that way. Like, I, I enjoyed it. I'm just going to say... Did you like the... I like the obstacle course and like, stuff, yeah. I like the obstacle course. I like the linemen catching punts from the jugs machine was very entertaining to me. Yeah. It's, it's not really easy. Hard. I like watching I like watching players outside of their natural habitat. Who is the best at catching the punts? Uh, Trey Hendrickson from Cincinnati was oh, really? excellent at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's a... Edge rusher for the Bengals, for those who don't know. Really good football player. I bet he was a tight end or a wide receiver. Probably. He's very athletic, yeah. A lot of the NFL defensive linemen were like, you know, running backs or or whatever in high school. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, it was was good. It was – I – I don't know. The, the game itself had degraded to such an unwatchable nightmare that at least now you could actually you could actually watch the athleticism of these guys and appreciate it, and um, as, as opposed to whatever the Pro Bowl had become. Yeah, yeah. The players seemed to like the flag football part. The Mannings were entertaining. That's always good. Oh, yeah. I thought of Eli. Eli's actually showed off. I think Eli's got more genuine wit than Peyton. He might. I think Peyton's pretty good at kind of being a little bit of a smart ass and everything, but Eli's got some some nuance to his humor. Yes, uh, yeah, he's got a little bit more of a deadpan delivery, and uh, I've I've grown to appreciate. Eli. I, I have too. Stock up yeah. on Eli Manning for me this past year for sure. He's been funny on the Manning cast when I've watched. He was funny at the Pro Bowl when he was mic'd up, and pretty damn good flag football coach. The NFC beat the AFC yesterday. 
Oh, they did? Yeah, they did. Clearly, he uh, was able to scheme some things up in the flag football. I don't know. I didn't watch the game. Take a hit for the AFC there. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Tough. Well, but they actually – but they still they still pay. They did? Like, did you the see old that? way. Yeah, it's like 80-some thousand, 88,000 for the winner, 44,000 for the loser. 84 for the winner, 42 oh. for the loser. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Brandt tweeted that yesterday. It was, Did it get violent in the fourth quarter? I don't know. You watched it. I didn't. I didn't watch. I any didn't of watch it. it. I watched stuff from the uh, just. I I watched tweets. Oh, okay. I, didn't, I watched like gotcha. little highlights here and there. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you watched more than I did. I didn't get to see it. It was. I was doing my CBS show while it was going on, so I didn't get to see it. Um, but it, it it look it seemed to hit with some of the guys. Uh, you know, it's, if it's for you, awesome. Uh, it's probably not for Miles Garrett who hurt his toe uh, during the obstacle course. The obstacle course. Yeah, it yeah. was a pretty tough obstacle course. Yeah. Yeah, I think he had to climb a wall. Like, if I remember correctly, he was kind of like scrambling underneath something when it looked like he he all of a sudden lost ground on it. Yeah, yeah, I just think it's ironic that they they created this they created this one to be more entertaining than the debacle, as you pointed out, the debacle of the game itself had become the last few years, which is essentially touch football with pads on. Yeah, but I think they designed it this way too because this was going to be there was a far a lesser chance of injury happening, and then all of a sudden, Miles Garrett dislocates a toe while competing ah. in the. Oh. Have, you ever, have you ever dislocated a toe before? No. Oh, that sounds awful. It sounds very, very. I painful. thought. He, I thought the the report I had read is said it aggravated his turf toe or something. Okay. I didn't hear about this dislocation. I'm just oh reading a tweet from Tom Pelissero at oh. 4 p.m. yesterday. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I think that much like when Robert Smith almost died while playing flag football on the beach, it. Back Robert Edwards, early, yeah. Robert Edwards, yeah. too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know for sure. You can't prove that Robert Smith did <laughs> No, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's my bad. Then, that I think that uh, when you have guys who are freakishly athletic uh, doing stuff very competitively, and it might be stuff that their bodies aren't accustomed to doing, that's a whole lot of force and power, and, uh, and, and bad stuff can happen. So yep. I, don't know what the, I don't know what the answer is other than, I don't know, just have everybody sit down and do um, just know, pl- brain, brain games. Do everything on Madden, I guess. I don't know. But, I guess uh, the solution is you, you don't actually – there is no constitutional obligation to have a Pro Bowl. A Pro Bowl, there's not. There's, yeah. there's not, but there is TV content that they uh, – it generates revenue, so there is that. People were watching. Well, we'll find out if people were watching, I guess. I think they'll probably get a curiosity bump from all of Michael, that. Michael Beckman says the NFL is said to be the number one pro sport in America by a wide margin, and TV numbers for regular season games and Pro Bowls confirm that. Then why do they have the worst by far all-star slash Pro Bowl game? I think it's just simple. I mean, that's a, it's a, of the four major professional sports in America, it's the one that you're least able to play without, like, Forceful, harmful contact. Yeah. It's like you, you, you can't, you can't so, replicate no, it. Yeah, nobody wants to get hurt in an All Star game, and the NFL is the one that's just impossible to play the right way without also, you know, trying to damage people. Yep, um, we're down to two job openings in the NFL. Three are filled: Frank Reich to Carolina, D'Amico Ryan's to here, and Sean Payton to Denver. Indianapolis and Arizona are um, still trying to fill their uh, head coaching job. Let's start with the Colts where the odds came out yesterday. And late last week, Seth, Jeff Saturday was still the favorite to be the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Mm -hmm. And then late Friday, there was a huge shift where Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator for the Giants, longtime defensive coordinator for the Ravens as well, became a, not a heavy, heavy favorite, but the the clear favorite to to get the Indianapolis job. If I know Jim Ursay... And I'm pretty sure I do. Mm-hmm. He lives his life out loud. I I think that when he looks at Wink Martindale, he has inklings of the Bruce Arians that could have been. Yeah. You know, where Bruce Arians is on staff, gets the interim job. A guy that nobody ever really thought of as his head coach worthy ends up being a, a pretty damn good head coach. And uh, maybe that's what he sees. I bet that's what Ursay sees in Wink Martindale. I also feel like those two getting together – over a, a couple of drinks could turn into like the, the reports there are that these interviews have gone 12 hours i feel like that just might be wink martindale having a few whiskeys and telling stories yeah and, and yeah and ursay might like that he might need yeah. a, a running buddy more than anything else I, although ursay i don't know does ursay drink or not i know he doesn't he had his issues with his pills he did but I don't know what the deal is if he it just he seems like he's drunk a lot, but that might just be his personality. <laughs> he does. It might be that yeah. might be years of hard living. Is well, it's what like that Ozzy is. Osbourne. Like I think he's I think Ozzy's sober, but he's just 
he permanently drunk himself. He doesn't appear you know? to be sober. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Um, as far as Arizona goes, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN tweeted this um, yesterday uh, or last night. The Arizona Cardinals have informed several head coaching candidates that they are out of the running per sources. Three known finalists are Steelers assistant coach Brian Flores, who was yep. the favorite late last week to get the job. He has ties to the GM, Monty Ossenfort. They worked with the Patriots together. Uh, Mike Kafka, Giants OC, who interviewed for the Houston Texans job, reportedly had a really good interview with the Texans. And Bengals defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo, who kind of comes from the Wink Martindale school of old school defensive coordinator. Yeah, and as of last night, it seemed like Anarumo was really gaining a lot of steam. He was one that people were curious about just because – it, it 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 seemed like he should have had more opportunities or interviews than he had. Uh, and he's a, in his late fifties, so he just has never had that buzz about him before. Uh, I didn't. I think for all those guys right now, they'd probably be popular hires out in Arizona. I think um, you know well. Oh, Ejiro uh, Ivero, who had interviewed with the Texans, yep. he ends up being the defensive coordinator for the Panthers. Now yeah, he's going to go work Frank, for Frank Wright. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But he had been he had started to be whispered about as maybe a dark horse favorite, but he just goes off to Carolina. To Carolina. I think what's yeah. interesting, Seth, if the if we believe the favorites to be true for the Indianapolis and um Arizona jobs, let's pretend for a second that Wink Martindale is the favorite and that Brian Flores is the favorite behind the scenes. Like those are the two guys yeah. that have the inside track. I think what's interesting is the the hot uh type of coach the last couple years has been a young, progressive, oftentimes Kubshanistan offensive coordinator. Yes. If Flores and Martindale get those two jobs, there will be exactly zero of those types of hires this cycle. The five yeah. jobs will wind up being Frank Reich, retread, Sean Payton, hot retread, D'Amico Ryans, young, hot defensive coordinator, and Flores... And Martindale Flores retread, defensive retread, uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah. and Martindale kind of old school defensive boomer. coordinator. Yeah, boomer, yeah. boomer. Yeah, so you'll none of the five jobs will have gotten a Shane Steichen or a yeah. Mike Kafka or any of the other myriad of guys like that. I think a couple things have happened. One is okay this year because of all the the domination of offensive minded head coaches in the playoffs. I think uh, people like to point out just this year and say, hey, look. Look at this year, offensive coaches are dominating, and they ignore the past several years where, yes, it's dominated by offense, um, but for one, hiring tends to be dominated by offense, so the numbers are higher on the offensive side of the ball. But two, and this is what they ignore, of the six longest tenured coaches in the NFL, five of them are either defense or special teams coordinators. Like, the, there is something in lusting after offense where you you – if that's what you do at the onset is that you ignore non-offensive coordinators, you're going to, on average, make some bad hires and, and give up an opportunity at guys who have better leadership attributes, better overall delegation skills, all those things, who might be defensive or special teams-oriented guys. Um, so I think that there's an argument to be made that some of those guys are long-tenured because at some point somebody saw something in them above and beyond just like, oh, I want to have the best offense in the league every year and realize, like, oh, I'm hiring a head coach, not just a coordinator. So that that makes me feel, as is everything in the NFL, there's a pendulum that swings back and forth. And there's nothing wrong with being on the, the other side of where the pendulum is swinging at any given time. And right now, where people felt like, oh, you just have to hire an offensive coordinator, you ignore all those really bad coaches that were hired pretty much just because they were offensive coordinators. Yep. Uh, you're listening to KLT and KLT HD2 and Odyssey Station. As far as um, this week goes, we're leading up to the Super Bowl. And uh, the Eagles and the Chiefs are both in Phoenix. Both have touched down there, and they're getting ready for the beginning. I guess, oh, is tonight... Media night, they've turned media day into a nighttime event that is now televised, like they've done with most things in the NFL. I can't remember if it's Monday or Tuesday that they do the media stuff. At any rate, we'll probably get some, we'll probably get one or two players going rogue from that that we'll be able to dig into this week. For now, the, uh, the NFL honors are February 9th. That's the other big thing that they do. That's Thursday, they, yeah. They give out the MVP and everything on yep. Thursday night. Yeah, we'll learn the Hall of Fame class that night, too. Relevant, oh, yeah. Relevant okay. to Texas so fans. They take care of all those things. This is, this is one thing the NFL gets right. Sure, the All-Star game might suck, but as opposed to 
baseball and basketball, where you learn of some of the awards, well, baseball especially. Baseball, you learn of some of these awards at weird moments in, like, February or March, uh, like from the previous season. Uh, they, they don't do that with uh, football. They give them right out before the biggest game. Yep. Yeah, and they have a big, they have big ceremony for it. Oh, no, it. it's basketball. That used to, like, basketball does a lot of the stuff a few weeks after the championship game now, don't they? Yeah, well, basketball gives out some of the awards during the playoffs. Like, the MVP... That's always been a big storyline. They've stopped doing that, but they right. used to. That's what I'm saying. They yeah. used to. But yeah. that now they but they, they but have they, an award show now too, like the NFL. Right, but they pushed it back to like way yeah. after the end of the instead of doing oh, it know. during it, they pushed it way back. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know when exactly it is. Get your get your damn almanac out, Sean. I don't, I don't have time for the almanac. I'll do it during the break. Um as far as this Super Bowl goes, uh boy, there was some disrespect for Nick Sirianni and the Eagles over the weekend, Seth. I know you're big about the disrespect for some. Um, if you want to get, uh, uh, by proxy, angry on behalf of somebody, make it the Eagles and Nick Sirianni. Here was here was Brandon Ayuk, San Francisco 49ers wide receiver, basically saying he thinks the Kansas City Chiefs are going to tear the insides out of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, hypothetically speaking, if I were going to bet on this game, I was going to take everything that I own, get it in cash, and put my money on Kansas City Chiefs. Ooh. Like I said, I'm not going to talk about Philly, but I'm not going to say nothing because, like I said, I know I, I don't want you to. I don't want I was, you to get when, in trouble. I was, I was talking when, 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 when we, when I was talking to Cowboys players who were talking about us. Look at me. Yeah. I'm sitting. I'm sitting on the couch. I had no room to talk about nobody playing next week. So <laughs> I was leaving. Couch. I can't say nothing. But like I said, I got the Kings. I got. I got the Chiefs. I think. Uh, they got their hands full. I don't know. I don't know. Um fully about that defense um i don't know I, they talk about him being a good defense i'm not too sure i'm not i'm not sure i think the, i think the pass game um this kansas city pass game will uh expose what we thought we were going to be able to expose um before some unfortunate circumstances happen so we'll see all right so that he went on to say and they, that was a uh, that was brandon Ayuk. Yeah. Niners wide receiver on the SF Niners podcast. He went on to say that he thought that the Eagles got extremely lucky against the Niners because of the, the injury to Brock Purdy, which you have pointed out and had thieved from you by Ross Tucker. Yeah. Uh, the point that, no, they didn't get lucky. They caused those injuries to Brock Purdy. The Eagles caused those yeah. injuries. Those were earned. In- they weren't fluke injuries. No. Both those quarterbacks were hit really hard by guys that won their their battles. So That's it right. wasn't flukish. So yeah, I have a hard time with that. Ayuk got Ayuk had a pretty combative playoffs. Remember the in the Cowboys game, somebody did something, gave him the business after one of the plays and the whole teams like they got together and, and it was almost like after that it was in that third quarter when the 49ers took over in that long drive, that ninety one yard touchdown drive that yeah. pretty much sealed the game for him. Yep. So Ayuk is uh Ayuk has become almost maybe he's like that Draymond Green guy for the 49ers that he's gonna he's gonna mix it up and he's gonna try to establish something and now he's doing it in the offseason on on behalf of the Chiefs we got to keep an eye now because D'Amico is here you know Brandon Ayuk is going to be a free agent probably in a in a year or two you know it's I would imagine if there's guys that D'Amico's got a little familiarity with when they start to have some money to spend the uh, the free agents right now on the San Francisco 49ers Ooh, yes, are, yes. there are there are many of course uh, but of of note Jimmy Ward safety safety that's a good one yeah um, Jimmy Garoppolo he plays quarterback he's a quarterback I've heard of him yes <laughs> uh, Samson Ekubam, uh which Ebucom excuse me uh, which he's a defensive end of uh, as far as bigger names go Mike McGlinchey. Who who did get tossed like a rag doll by Micah Parsons? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was McGlinchey was the guy that got tossed out of the bar Reggie White style. Um, but is it is an okay offensive tackle? I don't think he's likely a. I agree. A, a candidate. Yeah, you know? if they're going to spend money on tackle, it will be for their own guys. You know, who had a good some uh, good plays down through the stretch for the 49ers was Deshaun Gibson, former Houston. Yeah, Texan. he did. He did. Yeah. He made some plays. Well, that was another one. Where I think for a lot of people, it felt like, well, yeah, D'Amico is just loaded up with guys like they're te- well, like Deshaun Gibson. Yeah, I remember when Deshaun Gibson played for the Texans. Uh, nobody was he, he wasn't he wasn't making huge plays in the playoffs when when he was with the Texans. Okay, no, he was not. <laughs> he was put in position to with the Niners, though. Um, here's one more um, from. A uh, 
a team that was dispatched by the Philadelphia Eagles. We got the Niners in with Brandon Ayuk. The week before that, it was the New York Giants getting destroyed by the Eagles. Here was Julian Love, Giants defensive back, on Nick Sirianni and just how lucky he is to get to coach such a talented football team. You know, he's a guy who really is doing a good job because he's not getting his in the way of his team. He has an experienced roster uh, from top to bottom, offense, defense. You see this stuff, though? Like, what's your reaction as a player? And that guy's doing that. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it at all. I mean, he's, he's in for a free ride right now. You guys can coach this team and they can succeed. That's, that's how. Okay, that's just a bad take. Now, what they were referring to, that was obviously on Good Morning Football. You could hear Peter Schrager's voice. They were showing footage of Nick Sirianni kind of mugging for the camera at the end of one of the games, like oh. looking at the camera, going, mm, "Any questions?" You know, oh. like, yeah, oh, like almost a little, for it. little yeah. wrestling heelish. You know what yeah. I mean? And so they were at they they showed that footage while Julian Love was talking. And so when Peter Schrager goes, "What do you think of this right here?" and Julian Love's like, "I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, I don't like Julian Love's take. Like Nick Sirianni, this this whole thing, it's it's similar to what you just pointed out with D'Amico that when." Skeptics talk about D'Amico Ryan's being the, the coordinator for the number one defense in football. They point out, well, yeah, he's got Nick Bosa and he's got four first round picks in the front seven, and he's got yeah, you need both good coaching and good players to be the best. Similarly, yeah, Nick Sirianni's got good football players. Absolutely he does. He finished sixteen and one with Jalen Hurts at quarterback this year. They lost a couple Gardner Minshew games with Hurts under center, which last I checked he will be this Sunday against the Chiefs. They are 16-1 and this year. And oh, by the way, he's been coached there now for a couple of years. Let's remind people, he took over a team that was 4-11-1. There's yeah. the chance that his coaching staff, sit down, might have developed some of these players into <laughs> what they are. You know, as far as D'Amico goes, that's uh, the 49ers defense, when you look at it, in a lot of ways, it looks like some of the Texans' defenses that maybe in the general, like, didn't didn't perform up to what they looked like on paper. I mean, they, yeah, they've got some stud first rounders, you know, Nick Bosa specifically on the defensive line. But Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, the linebackers, are a, a fifth round pick and a third round pick, respectively. Hufunga is a safety that everybody is rightfully excited about. He's a fifth round pick. You know, Charvarius Ward was a very reasonably priced uh, unrestricted free agent acquisition. They they did this a lot with guys that were a blend of yeah some first round picks, um, but also some college, undrafted college free agents, some reasonably picked up free agents, some mid round draft picks. It was it was it looked a lot like some of the Texans defenses that were pretty good, but not as good as. You feel like they should have been when J.J. Watt was on the roster. Yep. So um, so the Eagles are getting disrespected right now. That's what. Uh, that's a, the chip on the shoulder factor. Minus one and a half Philly is the line so the, of the game. I would say the Eagles are being disrespected. I think if Andy Reid were more of a Bill Belichick type, he could very easily con- convince the Chiefs that they have been extremely disrespected. Yeah. I think that – I do think that the Chiefs weirdly kind of flew on the, under the radar this year – um, in a way, it almost felt like the NBA, the way some, some good players fly under the radar just because everybody gets used to them being so good mm-hmm. that you just don't, they don't end up getting talked about that much. They're, they're like, you know what they were? They're like the Spurs. They're yeah. the Spurs now. Yeah. They are the Spurs without Tyree Kill, especially because they're not as electric to watch because they don't have the highlights. Then I think people just kind of put them in a category of like, oh, yeah, they're, they're the Spurs slash Chiefs, and they'll probably be around in the playoffs, but why bother talking about them? I think that's the most impressive thing about what the Chiefs have done this year is, to me, Tyreek Hill, I, I said this about Tyreek Hill, to me, he was last season, the last couple seasons, he's been the most impactful offensive player not playing quarterback in the NFL, to me, yeah. the last couple years. He's just, he's so dynamic, he's so fast, he can do so much. He's not just a speed guy, though, like he's... He's a pretty tough guy over the middle, catch and run, all those things. Um, they traded him, and they still were the best offense in football this year. Um, I think it's it's remarkable. It says a lot about Andy Reid. I think it says even more about Patrick Mahomes and his ability to adapt. Mahomes is just, he's, he's the best right now. There's yeah. no question. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.